This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Welcome everybody to the bar. It's your guest host, David Knight from Exposit the Word, standing in for Dwayne. Different hosts, same show, insane top, top guests. So let's get to it because I am super excited to be coming through your speakers, your earbuds, wherever you are listening to the bar. And as always, we are grateful that you are listening and we love to start off the show by thanking you, the listeners, for tuning in and supporting the show. And just like we do every Tuesday, we bring you another awesome guest and this one is no different. Hello and welcome, Nate Pickowitz. Hey, how are you, David? Yeah, really good, Nate. Thank you so much for joining us again. Nate, you've been a, a regular guest on both Expositive Word and the Bar Podcast, and we're delighted to have you back with us again today to talk about your brand new book, which has just been released, The Kindness of God. That's right. Absolutely. Well, Nate, um, I'm sure most people watching or listening would already know all about you, but in case one or two don't um, and they're not familiar with your ministry, just tell us everything we need to know about you in 60 seconds. Sure, yes. I'm a pastor in Gilmanton Ironworks, New Hampshire. So even people who are in New Hampshire don't know where that is. So, uh, <laughs> But we've been here for – we planted this church 11 years ago, and uh, I'm the, the teaching pastor here. I've got a wife and three wonderful kids um, and my whole world is just my family and the ministry. And, and in my spare time, the Lord gives me the opportunity to write books. Uh, and hopefully those are going to be helpful for the church. So I have a pretty simple life, but, uh, but I enjoy what I do. So, yeah. Yeah, great stuff. Well, last time we spoke to you, we we're just getting ready to move into a, a brand new church building. How's that move gone so far? Yeah, we moved in about a year ago and did a whole bunch of renovation work. And so uh, anybody who's been through a church renovation knows the challenges of that. So, but it was very good. You know, um, the Lord was, was good to us, gave us a property that we could afford, uh, was able to move the whole congregation in. And that was, that's just been a really nice, a nice time to have that space. So very thankful for that. Yeah, brilliant. Really good. Are you going to be writing a book one day about church planting, Nate? All this experience that you're, uh, you're gaining. So, yeah. So it's funny you mentioned that uh, because I've actually got a book coming out with Founders Ministries probably the end of this year. Uh, it's all letters to church planters. So 
Um, really? Okay. Yeah, I've got so that's that's in the works. So just don't don't speak too quickly about an idea because then I might get stuck doing it. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but oh, well, yeah, that's that fantastic. Soon. Yeah, yeah. Ah, great. Well, we look forward to that. That's really good. So we're going to be talking about your new book, like we mentioned, "The Kindness of God," just just been released by uh, Moody Publishers. Um, yes, that's what we're going to be talking about today. And Nate, you start the book um, of the same name, um, "The Kindness of God," telling us about a lady called Susan, and I think this is a a really helpful place to start the book in our conversation as well, because it helps us quickly get to the point in which some people struggle to see God's kindness when there are certain people that are in such difficult lives. Tell us about Susan, Nate. Yeah, Susan is uh, the daughter of one of my church members who uh, passed away after a long battle with cancer and uh, was able to be with the woman, Susan, in, in the hospital before she passed, was able to minister to her mom. Um, and, you know, it was just a very difficult time. Um, and I started the story, the book, with that story specifically. Um, you know, certainly that her mom was was happy to share and was hopeful that it was going to be um, uh, that would it would accomplish much in terms of ministering to people. But I started the book with a with a challenging story, because I think that it's usually in those moments where people question the kindness of God or they question the goodness of God, that if God is good or God is kind, then why does he allow a woman to go through, you know, breast cancer and, and brain cancer? Why do children suffer? Why do people get robbed at gunpoint? Why do all these terrible things happen? So I wanted to just start off with something very, um, very intense, but also very real to kind of set the stage and say, look, this is not a pie in the sky. Let's all just be nice to each other kind of a book like this is these are real issues with, for real people but they're being met by a very real and true God. So mm. that's why I wanted to start with that. But, um, you know, without spoiling the ending, uh, you know, uh, Susan, she, even though she went through a whole, a whole ordeal, uh, I believe that in the end, God was glorified even through the struggle. So I was very thankful to know her and thankful to know her mom as well. Yeah, great. Thank you, Nate. And this leads to a commonly asked question, which is how can a good God or a kind God allow such bad things to happen? How do you answer that question, Nate? Yeah, I think it's a it's a challenging question because I think there's a lot of presuppositions that go into it. Uh, when someone will accuse God of somehow not being good or not being kind, I think you have to start with a couple of different things. I think to recognize, first of all, that there is sin in the world. And the sin that's in the world is not God's fault. God is not the author of sin. He's not the author of evil, but that all of us through transgression, through sin, um, you know, death enters the world through sin. So everything that's terrible about this world right now comes because of the fall. If a person denies the existence of sin or the existence of wickedness, that's going to be problematic because if we understand that we're sinners and we understand that God is just and God is good, then God must also deal with sin. So what happens is that if we don't have a right understanding of sin, and we misunderstand the character of God, we, we put God on trial as if God owes us an answer or that even God would owe us kindness. But mm -hmm. if we recognize that all have sinned, the Bible says, and fall short of the glory of God, then we would quickly recognize that God doesn't owe us anything. And I think that's the place to start. Once you realize that God doesn't owe you anything except judgment for sin, then whatever you receive from him that's good and that's kind 
becomes a great blessing and your perspective changes. But um, so part of the reason I wanted to, I began sort of in that arena was to try to correct the misunderstandings. I think people, and and I'm going to include myself in this, it's very easy for us to have a pity party for ourselves and say, oh, it's not fair. It's not, you know, why is, why am I not getting what I want? Well, you know, to be clear, we, we don't deserve it. But if God does bless us, if he does pour out kindness, it's purely because he's good and he's righteous and he's loving. So I think starting with the right presupposition is really important when you talk about this topic. Yeah, that's really helpful, Nate. Thank you. Nate, we both have a very high view of the sovereignty of God. So how do we reconcile this with the kindness of God and also with the evil that we see playing out across the world? Yeah, I think Romans 8.28 is really helpful with this um, understanding. And the, the Bible says in that verse, we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So in the sovereignty of God, he is able to use the things that we deem to be bad or wrong or evil. And certainly in his eyes, things are bad or wrong or evil, but he's able to use those things to serve his ends. Again, he is not the author of sin and wickedness. Um, he doesn't make Satan do the things that Satan does. But ultimately, you see in the story of Job, Satan is still subjected to the plan and the will of God. So nothing can happen outside of his control. So even the terrible things that happen, God has a a remarkable way of working those bad things together. And I I don't want to say the word manipulate, but he's able to to, uh, create opportunities to produce things that are good through the bad things. Um, So I even think about the story of Joseph, who was enslaved and wrongly mistreated and all these other things. What does he say at the end of his life in chapter 50? He says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. God is able to use bad things to accomplish good ends. And he does it in only a way that God can do it. So so yes, God can use our trials, God can use our suffering to produce good and even to show us kindness, believe it or not, which is an, a hard, a large part of the book as well. Yeah, yeah. How does God show his kindness um, through suffering, Nate? Yeah, see, that's a question for the ages, Dave. So this is, this is where uh, theologians, you know, wrestle and, and, and wrangle together. I've got a chapter in the book called The Kindness of God and Suffering, and um I think what we have to understand again is that in Hebrews 12, for example, the Bible says that God disciplines those he loves and he chastens us as a beloved son. So I think about it this way, you know, a, 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 a person who works with metal, a metallurgist, you know, they take a, a piece of metal that has lots of impurities and that's all, you know, rugged and they jam it into a fiery furnace. Now, you have to believe if you're a piece of iron, you don't enjoy being in that fiery furnace, right? But when he, pull, when he pulls it back out again, he's scraping off the dross. He's beating this thing into a, uh, into a pulp because he wants to produce a pure and useful piece of metal. And that's what God does with us. He, he purges our spiritual impurities. Um, he, he refines us. He sanctifies us so that we'll be more Christ-like. Uh, closer to him in our relationship, more trusting in him. And in the end, he does produce good things. So in, in the chapter, I've actually got 12 different ways that God demonstrates kindness in the midst of suffering. James 1 even says that we are to count it joy when we in, endure 
various trials. And well, why is that, James? Well, because the testing, the the refining of your faith produces endurance. So that's one way, you know, if if you want to be an indestructible Christian and have strong faith and grow in the Lord, well, the only way that God does that is through trials. So even though the trial itself, the suffering itself might feel terrible and it might be terrible, but in the end, God can produce strong faith and he can produce a, a good relationship and he can produce assurance of salvation even through those times of suffering. So it's a matter of perspective, having a biblical perspective on our suffering and on our trials. Yeah, brilliant. When we think about kindness, we 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 might think about how humans are kind to one another, which is often very half-hearted and and you know transactional, often, isn't it? But what does the Bible actually teach us about the kindness that God shows us? Yeah, so God is kind to us in lots of different ways. You know, one of the ways that I outlined the book was to kind of just sort of think through, you know, the various elements of a Christian's life, everything from salvation to confession and repentance of sin to marriage and family, everything, and try to just look at a, a large picture in a, in a short book, you know. Um, but even starting with salvation, you know, Titus uh, chapter 3 says uh, that when the kindness of God and his love for us uh, appeared, he saved us. So it's salvation is a kindness of God. He doesn't owe us salvation. He saves because he's good and because he's loving and because he's kind. Romans 2, 4 said it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. So our repentance is a kindness. First Peter chapter 1 talks about our sanctification being a kindness of God. So everything that is encompassed in the Christian life really is extended to us as a kindness of God. And I think we would do well to focus on it that way and see it clearly for what it is. Yeah, yeah. David writes in Psalm 63 that God's loving kindness is better than life. And you mentioned this in the book. What did he mean by this? And why is it important for us to store these truths up within our own hearts? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I'll give you a little tidbit that I haven't told anybody else in this whole <laughs> promotional tour here. So you get the inside scoop, Dave. Um, there was actually talk about titling this book Better Than Life. That was battered around for a while. And then eventually, uh, you know, you're always kind of wrestling with the publisher. I eventually won and I called it the kindness of God. But uh, no, but wh why Better Than Life? Well, because I think that sometimes we tend to think of our life as being kind of the be all end all. Like if I could just have a good life, then that's it. You know, you know, good health and money and, you know, whatever I need, a nice house and a good family. And we think that somehow, you know, this life is, is all there is. And if I can just get what I can get here, I'll be okay. But in the scope of eternity, this life is nothing. And if we don't know God, then this life is all we're going to have. But if we know God and we know his mercies and we have his salvation and we're going to have eternal life with him forever, but even beyond the blessings, if we even just know God personally, knowing God is better than anything we could obtain in this life. So I, I tend to think that that's what David's talking about in Psalm 63, that understanding a relationship with God, especially in his loving kindness, is just better than anything I'm going to drum up for myself here. God is better. His kindnesses are better than my life. That's what Paul says, right? He says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ in me. The life I now live, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So even Paul saw my life is better 
My life is yeah. is in Christ. So I'm giving a very long answer. I apologize. I'm a pastor. I preach a lot, but <laughs> I just get I get fired up about this stuff because I just think it's so important that we have a right view of the character attributes and workings of God. I think it makes a tremendous difference in the life of a Christian. Yeah, amen to that. Amen. Nate, how does God show his kindness to us through salvation? Well, again, yeah, he, you know, he doesn't owe us salvation. He doesn't owe us eternal life. There was never an agreement that when we came out of the womb that we would just have a ticket into heaven. The Bible says that, no, you know, we're born sinful and the wages of that sin is death. So, again, if God were to give us pure justice, it would be uh, wrath over sinfulness because our sinfulness is an affront to God. So even by sending his son to give his life as a ransom for us, even by giving uh, forgiveness for sins, even by justifying the sinner by grace through faith in Christ, uh, even Christ giving his own life, giving his righteousness for us, those are all gifts. That's pure kindness that nobody de- has deserved or earned. So even even if he were to give us nothing else, sanctification, you know, a life with our families, anything else, even if he only gave us salvation, that would be a kindness above all kindnesses. So to redeem us and make us a people for himself, to adopt us as children, that's just the, the kindest thing he could do. So, yeah, the kindness of God and salvation is huge, huge. Yeah. Yeah. You just mentioned sanctification. Just in case anyone um, listening or watching isn't familiar with that term. First of all, what is sanctification? And also, how does God show his kindness through our sanctification? Yeah, so sanctification really is just the the process by which we grow spiritually to be more like Christ. It's the it's the the slow death to the old self, the old me that's dead in my trespasses and sins, and it's more growth and life in Christ. It's it's a life of holiness. So it's less of the old me, more of Christ. That's what sanctification basically is. It's that process of growing. So, um, but even in that process of growing. Um, you know, God, again, he could save us and just bring us to heaven and not ever change us. And he would be allowed to do that. But it's actually kindness that he grows us. He doesn't leave us in a in an immature, you know, infant state. He actually begins to form Christ likeness in us and change us. I mean, how many people and I'm Dave, I'm sure you know people, too, where you are. I do. I know people here where, you know, they've been enslaved to addictions or they've been enslaved to guilt and shame, or they've, you know, struggled with all kinds of spiritual issues, anxiety, depression, you know, whatever it is. And and when God saves them spiritually, okay, so he saves them eternally, they're in Christ. And yet, even though they're saved and going to heaven, God still in his mercy begins to change them here on earth. He frees them from certain addictions. He frees them from guilt and shame. It's not that our life gets better like prosperity gospel, but rather that we begin to experience a closeness to him. We begin to grow closer to him. We begin to change. So all of that change, all of that growth in Christ likeness, that's a that's a, a grace and a mercy and a kindness that he would that he would change us even here. Um, so I praise God for all the people that God has delivered out of darkness, even in this life. It's re- it's a remarkable thing. Yeah. 
as much as it's true that some people struggle to understand God's kindness, it's also true that some people have skewed God's character and made him seem more like Father Christmas. You just mentioned the prosperity gospel as an example of that, Nate. Uh, tell us more about that. Yeah, so there's a section in the book that I kind of addressed. I sort of tiptoe into it only because the scope of the book just couldn't provide enough space for it. But even in our culture, you know, we do have these extremes, you know, either either there's an extreme that believes that that somehow God owes us equity, that he owes us money, that he owes us favors, that he owes us anything materially, or on the other side that God somehow owes us freedoms, God owes us rights, or whatever we think that God owes to us, and we victimize ourselves in the process here. I think the understanding kindness, it it does scratch a cultural itch here, because even culturally, uh, we have to understand that God doesn't owe any nation, any people, anything. He doesn't, he doesn't promise us prosperity. He doesn't promise us anything. So again, to understand that, to say that if we have a home and if we have clothes on our back and if we have a, a government that isn't, you know, tearing us down, uh, we should praise God and thank him for his kindness. Um, I think that's really important. Yeah. We live in such a materialist, materialistic world, don't we? And it may be easy for some people to only see God's kindness when prayers are being answered in ways in which people imagine. But actually, sometimes God actually closing a door is really the kindest thing, isn't it, Nate? Tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you can attest to this as a believer, but there's been so many times where I've prayed to God for something I want or something I think I need, and he doesn't give me what I want. And it's easy for me in my selfishness to get upset about that. But I can look back in my life and, you know, just see that there are times he said no, and I thank him for it later on. And without getting myself in trouble, I remember you know, when I was in college, uh, I had a girlfriend and when she dumped me, I remember praying and, oh, Lord, you know, bring her back in my life. Well, I am so glad for the sake of the wife I have now <laughs> in my children in my life. I'm so thankful he didn't answer my prayer back then. You know, nothing against the person, but, you know, God knows what's best for us, you know, and, and we, we grumble and we complain against him. But the truth is, is that, you know, he knows that sometimes by withholding a blessing or an opportunity, it's the best thing. Um, so I think we just have to, we have to keep eternity in light. We have to keep the fact that God knows. I like to think about it this way. You know, we might be walking down the stairwell and we only see one or two steps in front of us. God sees the whole staircase down to the bottom. So we just don't know what's coming. He does. And we have to trust him, even with the things that, that we might uh, think we need. And he says, no, we have to trust him. Yeah, really helpful. Thank you. Uh, one of the greatest conundrums in the Bible is how those who love and honour God seem to have a difficult life, while those who hate and despise him seem to have a life of ease and prosperity. Why is that, Nate? Well, that's a question for the ages. I mean, that's the psalmist. Oh, Lord, why do the wicked prosper? Oh, Lord, you know, and these, that's why we have the imprecatory psalms, right? Um, so, yeah, it's a challenging question. But again, we have to look at it in light of the fact that if someone is doing well materially here on earth, but they don't know Christ and they don't have forgiveness of their sins, their success, their prosperity is very short-lived. And God actually will, I believe, will give them prosperity and give them an opportunity so that they might repent and believe in him. 
But, you know, adversity always comes with the Christian life. Um, it's always part of, of, of it, you know, what we are and who we are. I mean, look at just the history of the church and the apostles. Look at the life of Jesus himself. Um, Jesus did not live here on earth with a, a prosperous, prestigious ministry. Um, it was, you know, certainly a grand and marvelous and victorious, victorious ministry. But, you know, to think that somehow, um, you know, Christianity is going to be a life of ease, I think we're mistaken. But I think we have to have the right perspective and not and not thinking that whether I do well here on earth or not has anything to do uh, with my standing with God. I think we have to fix that in our minds. Um, and in truth, you know, if the Lord does not give us the riches and the health and everything that we want, that actually might be a kindness to us because he knows us. And for some people, they get everything they want and it ruins them. But other people who don't have anything and they can say, all I have is Christ, then I have enough, right? So again, it's perspective. You know, we have to, I was just thinking about this today. You know, I, I long to see Christ as all sufficient in my life. I think we pay lip service to that, and I think we want that. But boy, do I really believe and live as though he is my all-sufficient Savior. And I'll tell you, a lot of times, living too well here muddies the waters for that. But the most, uh, the most uh, challenged and suffering Christians, they tend to have the most joy because they see God's goodness in the, in the face of their trials. So good, Nate. Thank you. When we sin or have a season where we are not being obedient Christians, does God sometimes withhold his kindness towards us? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> I think he certainly I think he certainly does, but I think in his own way, um, because I think you have to, again, think about it a little bit elevated above above what we would consider to be God's kindness. Um, you know, he doesn't ever condemn us eternally. That's Romans 8.1. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Um, but God does, um, you know, give us the consequences of our sins sometimes um, on earth. We experience that. There are times when our communion with God is not as strong um, because certainly sin does put up barriers in terms of our communion with God. However, our union with God is never in jeopardy if we're really in Christ. So, yeah, I think there are times when God uh, will not give us a kindness that he would otherwise give. But I think we have to be careful even thinking about that as though God could withhold it. If kindness is pure grace, then how much could we demand, right? Yeah, right. I mean, then yeah. grace, grace is no longer grace. So, you know, I think, yes, God doesn't obligate himself to be kind to us in certain ways. But truthfully, if we're thinking about it right, um, I think that in those times when we're in periods of sin and he withholds blessing and it drives us to our knees, that is kindness, you know, because otherwise we wouldn't repent. It, It would be temporally, in my perspective, unkind to me if God just allowed me to ruin myself. Like my perception would be, that's terrible. Don't do that, Lord. So for the fact that he delivers us to consequences um, to save us from hell, uh, that's very kind, very gracious. Yeah. Nate, how have you personally experienced the kindness of God? Well, I get to be on your show, you know, so 
<laughs> I mean, that that's a tremendous kindness. And congratulations for crossing 100,000 subscribers. So there you go. Thank that's you, that's a well, kindness thank you. of God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no. you, thank you for your contribution. Mate. We've got your Galatians <laughs> series on there. and oh, You've been right. interviewed many times. So, yeah, thank you for your contribution. Sure. No, I mean, all, all, uh, all teasing aside, um, it, it's hard for me to even list the ways that God has been kind. Um, but I do. I do ponder it. Actually, the whole reason I even wrote the book was because – I was finding myself in my own prayers when I would pray with my children at night or when I would just pray on my own. I would find myself just kind of um, by habit, just thanking God for being kind to me. I just began to see all the different ways that God was was extending grace and kindness, and I would just thank him. And as I was praying one day, I just kind of said, I wonder if anybody's ever written a book about this, like, you know, exploring the kindness of God. And so I just wanted to to take a stab at that. And explore that, especially in this cultural moment. But I mean, you know, the fact that I get to be a pastor of a, of a growing church, a great church, the fact that God lets me write books and, and do the thing I love, the fact that he gives me a wife and my children, the fact that I have health to get through my day. I mean, there's just so many abundant kindnesses. The fact that I belong to Christ is a tremendous kindness. So there's so many things I couldn't even list them all. And I, I would suspect you couldn't either, uh, that God is kind to us. That's right. Absolutely. Well, Nate, that's absolutely fantastic. As always, we're going to take a very quick break before returning to hear how Nate answers the signature bar questions. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design, the kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite-only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So, Nate, as you know, every single guest that comes onto the bar, including yourself on a couple of occasions, gets asked these very important questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. And I'm going to find your answers from before and check them to make sure that you're being oh, consistent. Boy. Well, I might not be consistent. I might be changing. <laughs> it might be changing. That's true. Question one, what kind of music do you listen to? Now, see, I answer that question with all kinds, but I'll tell you right now, I'm listening to a group called the Sons of Korah, and I think, no, I think they're from, they're, I think they're from Australia. I can't quite get their accent from their singing, but they put, they put psalms to music and they do a great job. So that's been in my truck lately is the song, this, the Sons of Korah. 
that's very, very good. And then I've listened to a lot of Matt Papa. He's been great too. So every time I'm on the show, I'm listening to someone new. So Changing it up. Yeah, well, well done. Is. That's good. Keeping us yeah. on our toes. Next signature bar question. What book or books are you currently reading? Oh, I'm reading a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, I usually, I usually read whatever I'm researching at the time. Um, so right now I'm actually in the process of writing a book on spiritual depression. So I'm reading Lloyd Jones's book on spiritual depression. I'm reading John Piper's, uh, book, When the Darkness Will Not Lift. I've been reading some of the Puritans, uh, reading The Bruised Read by Richard Sibbs. So a lot of times I'll just read whatever is kind of in my, in my purview to study. Um, I don't have a lot of time to do extraneous reading, even though I wish I did. So I've been researching and, and reading and studying about, about Christians who struggle with depression. That's what I've been focused on lately. And is this for a teaching series or is it for another book? <laughs> Uh, well, I, I told myself I was going to take a break from writing for a while, but then a book came out. So uh, I'm, I, I have a book in the works right now uh, about this topic. So we'll see. I have to find a publisher, but it, it might be coming soon to a, a books, bookstore near you. <laughs> <laughs> We're very good. We'll look out for that. Last signature bar question. What podcasts or sermons do you listen to? Yeah, so I, I say this every time. I'm not a big podcast guy. Uh, but I have I have listened to the MacArthur Center podcast. That's been very good. Uh, but when I listen to sermons, I mean, I, I love listening to John MacArthur. I love listening to R.C. Sproul. And then, you know, usually if somebody sends me something that's been good, I'll listen to that. But uh, so much of my time is just studying and doing things for this ministry and writing. Uh, I wish I had more time to listen, and I, I just don't. Uh, so that's always a depressing one. Of course, if I was a podcast listener— it would be the bar and exposit the word. And that would be whatever I listen to all the time. So, Of course, of course. Nate, you, you wouldn't say this yourself, but allow me to say this. Uh, Nate is a fantastic preacher himself. Nate, what is your um, YouTube channel? Just so that people can um, go and find it and listen to some of your um, preaching. I think I have a YouTube channel. I think our church actually has a YouTube channel. Yeah. So. If they look up Harvest Bible Church and even just type in my name attached to it, you'll probably find it that way. I can't remember the actual page, but I think the sermons of the last three years or so, after COVID, they started doing videos, so um, right. they can they can watch there. All my sermons from the last 11 years are also on Sermon Audio, so they can listen there. But um, but that's the best place if you want to get some teaching. If there's no one else better to listen to, then you can wander over there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to find the link to the YouTube channel and to um, Sermon Audio as well, and I'll make sure that they're in the links below. Uh, Nate very kindly gave us his uh, teaching through um, the book of Galatians as well. It's excellent. Um, I'll make sure there's a link to that as well. Do check that out um, as well if you get time. So, Nate, before you go, um, take a moment to let us know your closing thoughts and also let people know how they can keep in touch with you. Yeah, so I'm available on social media. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. Um, and I'm pretty much available through those channels. Um, but, you know, honestly, Dave, I'm just so thankful to be able to talk about this book. Um, you know, we, you and I have been connected for several years now. It's always a joy to talk about the things of God with you and just to hear what's going on. So I'm just excited for the fact that, um, that maybe people might read something like this and be encouraged that they maybe a person who's in a trial right now um, might be able to see through the trial and see God's kindness and grace in the midst of that. So that's really what I hope. I try to write books that are helpful to the church uh, and encouraging to believers. So that that's all I'm hoping for is that believers would be encouraged through this project. 
Yeah, brilliant. Well, Nate, thank you very much for your time. As always, it's been an absolute pleasure catching up with you. And we look forward to speaking to you when your next book comes out, whenever that's going to be. I'll let you know. And to the bar listeners, thank you again for tuning in and make sure that you hit that subscribe button so that you can get the show every single Tuesday. And just like today, we have some top, top guests coming up that you do not want to miss out on. And remember to check out the bar podcast website where you can listen to Dwayne's huge archive of interviews, which will keep you nice and busy until next time to laugh for now. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.